As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is co-host TJ Inman. He'll be joining us shortly. Today we are stepping again for the final time outside of the Big Ten and previewing the group of five conferences as well as some of the major independents, including Notre Dame, Army, and BYU. Uh, so we'll take a look at uh, – like the rest of our format for our conference previews, we'll look at uh, conference championship previews, games that, that people should tune into, and games that might have an impact on a national level at the college football playoff. But before we start, a word from our friends at SeatGeek. I'd like to take a second to introduce our newest friends from SeatGeek. Let them take the confusion out of your ticket-buying experience. Instead of shopping across dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. And their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show that rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck. Green dot marks a great deal, yellow dot good deals, and a red dot not so good deals. Use the, prom- use the promo code ACAA at checkout to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's two free beers at the stadium on them. What are you waiting for? That's promo code ACAA. For $20 off your first purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. All right, we are entering August. We're bringing TJ in. Football is right around the corner. We're 26 days away, or 25 days away from Indiana kicking off against Ball State. Even fewer days until college football gets underway with week zero. TJ, it's getting to be that time again. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, you notice a lot of other. Um... You know, ESPN is kind of ramping up their uh, college football commercials, and um, a lot of football is back. I think the slogan right now. So uh, it's it's definitely getting here. Um, still got a little bit of the quote unquote off season, but um, you know the players are back in camp, so we've got some camp news to you know digest and to go over. And then of course, um, as you said, week zero is right around the corner, so. Uh, definitely a great time. Yep, Big Ten Network was out in Bloomington yesterday. Uh, I think the content was really good, even though uh, they spent a little bit more time than I would like on other schools. Uh, they have an hour. They should spend, you know, at least 45 yeah. minutes, uh, not including commercials, on IU. Uh, but they did have great content uh, from Coach DiNardo, Howard Griffith, Dave Revson was out there as well. Um, so be sure to check that out if, if you uh, DVR'd it or can find a replay of it. Uh, it was last night at 6 o'clock on, on BTN Live. Uh, but let's get into uh, the Group of Five. Uh, group of Five has been an interesting um, bunch of conferences the last couple of years. You had UCF uh, basically have two undefeated seasons uh, until they lost to LSU in the Fiesta Bowl last year. They were left out of the college football playoff. They were self-declared national uh, national uh, champions, and uh, now you have a couple more groups, uh, a couple more teams in that AAC. Uh, you always have a tough uh, Boise State team in the Mountain West, um, and some teams out of the MAC and some other conferences who might have a say in uh, if that Group of Five gets a representative in the playoff. But let's begin with the AAC, uh, TJ. UCF is – everybody now knows who UCF is. Uh, they went from 0-12 to uh, being self-proclaimed uh, national uh, national champions after they beat Auburn after the 2017 season. But there's a lot of questions surrounding them. Mackenzie Milton, Milton went down. Uh, he's probably not going to play this year. They have a, a transfer quarterback coming in into Sean Kaiser from – 
from Notre Dame. You have the rise of Cincinnati. They're going to be very good. It's going to be a very competitive AAC. And you also have the shadow holding over them that that UConn is leaving uh, leaving the conference. And here's how much that UConn means to that conference. The AAC doesn't really care if they replace them or not. UConn was such a poor player in the AAC football-wise that they don't really – they're not losing anything. And that if they stand pat, they'll probably um, – you know, be stronger for it. TJ, what's your take on the AAC this year? Well, I think one of the more interesting things, you mentioned Central Florida, um, Memphis keeping uh, their head coach, uh, Mike Norvell, in place is, I think, you know, a huge win for them. Uh, Certainly continuity in their system. Um, Very good offensive team, but they, they do have to replace some pieces. Uh, but I, I love, I really like Memphis' team this year. I placed some, uh, placed a wager on the Memphis over win total. I really like what they've got coming back. Uh, I like the style of football that they play. Um, I think that there's two teams that um, I'm really interested to see what they do. The first in Cincinnati, uh, Luke Fickle is doing a really good job with that program, and they've got some interesting non-conference games that uh, I think it's going to kind of be a reputation or a barometer for the AAC. Um, and then the second program that I'm interested in is, is Houston. Uh, they were able to bring in uh, Dana Holgerson from West Virginia. Uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out because Holgerson it feels like there was a ceiling on what he could do at West Virginia. Um, and with teams like Oklahoma and Texas in the conference, you know, there's, there's a ceiling there, but Holgerson seems like kind of beat the mob out of town. Uh, his people were getting a little restless with him heads to Houston. And, uh, you know, what's, what do they want out of that? What's the success for them? Um, they've publicly said, look, we will fire coaches for going eight and four. Um, and, they had done it, you know. Uh, they had made that move and fired uh, Major Applewhite to go get um, go get Holgerson. So I'm really interested to see how that works. Derek King is one of the more uh, electrifying players in the country at quarterback for Houston, but Dana Holgerson not known for defense, and that defense could be a real disaster. So uh, I think the Central Florida and Memphis and Cincinnati, for my money, are the three class. Uh, teams in that conference this year um, I do like the uh, the Tigers to win the West Division uh, I think that they are just better on both sides of the ball than Houston is King's the best player I think Memphis has more uh, overall team depth there plus they've got their system in place already uh, they know what to expect and then Central Florida versus Cincinnati um who's going to be able to come out there. And I would actually pick Cincinnati to win the East. So I'm going to go with the Bearcats based on, uh, I think McKenzie Milton is a gigantic loss. Uh, and then they, the player that very possibly was going to be starting at quarterback for them, he also got hurt. Uh, and I was never that impressed uh, with the transfer from Notre Dame. They've got starting for him. So um I'm going to go with Cincinnati. And, Sorry. Uh, it was Brandon. Oh, with Memphis. Yeah, Brandon. Brand, Brandon Wimbush, Deshaun Kaiser, it's the first week of school. Uh, we're back with students. Yeah. Uh, my, my brain is in a time warp, uh, so I apologize. It's Brandon Wimbush, not Deshaun Kaiser. I think Deshaun Kaiser's with the Browns um, or, or well, somewhere along the line there. So, so I, yeah. I apologize. My brain was back in like 2015. Uh, but you're right, TJ. There's some interesting parts in the AAC you got some early non-conference matchups to, to make some noise. Uh, Cincinnati uh, plays two Power 5 uh, opponents right off the bat uh, in UCLA. That's a home game. That's a, that's, a, that's a home game to kick off the Thursday night of week one. Everybody's going to be watching that game. You knock off UCLA. It's a, a, a skin on the wall. Even though UCLA uh, was not bowl eligible last year, it's still – a power five skin. 
uh, and then you go tra- go travel to to Ohio State, and, and those are two yeah. statement games. Uh, you know, if you could go into the shoe, and I think it's been like a million years since Ohio State has lost to uh, an in-state non-conference team. Uh, it, it, that would be a, a really impressive win. And then you have UCF uh, hosts Stanford and travels to Pittsburgh. And while those teams are not the marquee teams, Stanford might not be where they were a couple of years ago, and Pittsburgh is uh, not the marquee team in the ACC. Those are still two Power Five teams, and you could get uh, two more skins there. Uh, U- USF also plays uh, Wisconsin at home uh, on that Friday night down in Florida. That's a tough game. It's always tough to open down in Florida. It's hot. Sticky, um, so that's also another chance for the AAC. Mer- uh, Temple hosts Maryland. Uh, they play Georgia Tech. There's a whole bunch of games um, that the AAC has a chance to make some noise in the Power Five. And if just if uh, one of these teams could go undefeated, I, I think they they deserve a legitimate conversation, seat at the table um, for for the college football playoff. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, beats UCLA, beats yep. Ohio State, and goes and runs through the AAC, I think they've done enough uh, to go through um, to go through and, and be seriously discussed as, as a four seed in the playoff. You also have Memphis playing Mississippi, hosting Mississippi there as well. So you could have some group of five AAC. You call them upsets if you want to uh, over power five conferences. It's going to be a really interesting um, conference year for them. I will take uh, Cincinnati as well out of the East. Cincinnati hosts UCF in uh, yep. in October, first weekend of October. It's that Friday night. That place is going to be buzzing. I'm sure they're going to have that blacked out uh, in, in terms of the fans. I, it, Cincinnati is, an un, I think, an underrated atmosphere as well. They had that thing going a couple years ago. Um, when they were in the Big East, and then uh, a few years in the AAC. As far as the West, uh, TJ, that that was a great point about Houston. And and my worry, if I'm a Houston fan, is are are you – can you be happy with eight wins? Uh, It's every – everybody's talking about how how Houston's a sleeping giant, how nobody wanted them to join the Big – uh, Big 12 because they're they're in that Houston market. It's a recruiting advantage. They have so many homegrown players, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but kind of like Charlotte in Conference USA, that it's kind of a sleeping giant. You know, being in a fertile recruiting land does not necessarily mean automatic success. Um, Houston, outside of a thir- 13 and one 2015 season, has gone eight and five, nine and four. Seven and five and eight and five. Uh, so something, you know, what are you here? And Dana Dana Holgerson coming in, uh, maybe he has some magic, can get that program going uh, to where people think uh, think it should be. I am going to take Memphis as well in the West. Um, they have to go at the end of the year. They have to play. They end their last three games at Houston, at USF, and Cincinnati. It's going to come down to those three games, whether or not they get tripped up. I don't see an AAC team going undefeated, um, no. especially in conference play. This conference is pretty deep. Um, it's getting deeper. It's tough, and, and good on them for doing that, and good on them for going out and scheduling people, and good on the Power 5 teams for accepting uh, some of these games that, you know – really hurt your resume if you go down and, and, and lose to these teams because it's it's a no-win situation for a team like Wisconsin or Stanford. Uh, it, you know, you, these are teams that people, outsiders, will say you should should win, and they won't. So those are my, my two picks, and we'll move on um, to the Mountain West. We do have five conferences to, to cover, so we're going to – not speed through them. We'll give them their due uh, due diligence, but we're going to cut out some of the stuff um, that we did when we focused on one conference as a whole. <laughs> Mountain West, it's a lot of the uh, usual suspects back. San Diego State, Fresno State, 
you got Boise State, Air Force, Utah State. The team I want to keep an eye on is Hawaii. Uh, I, I think they're at a real advantage, uh, travel advantage uh, for teams visiting them. They get a home date to open the season with Arizona. Hawaii's got some buzz going. It might be buzz, uh, you know, you have to go searching for it, uh, but they might have that program rolling. They're picked to finish third in the West, uh, but they could cause problems uh, for a lot of people. Um, the, their offense is, is usually very, very good, and they've put up some, some really good numbers as well. They take their football pretty seriously out in Hawaii, and it's it's one of those teams that, you know, if the game's on at 1230 at night, I might tune into it. Uh, so they return, um, you know, Fred Holly, who, ran, who was their leading rusher last year, uh, Cole McDonald, Grew for nearly 4,000 yards and, and 36 touchdowns last year. So this offense should be pretty good. They're going to put a scare into into people. <clears throat> they have an opportunity to beat Power Five schools as well. Non-conference. They're playing. They host Arizona and Oregon. Uh, Oregon State. They travel to Washington, and then they host Central Arkansas. So you, you could realistically, I would not be shocked if they take two out of those three. Uh, to open the season against Pac-12 opponents. They went 8-6 and six last year, uh, and uh, beating Louisiana Tech, or losing to Louisiana Tech in a bowl game. Uh, they've beaten San Diego State. Uh, they've beaten some, some good teams. Um, so Hawaii's kind of my sleeper team in, in, uh, in that conference. But I think it, it, the conference championship game runs through Boise State. Boise State has earned the right to be that team. Uh, even though Fresno State knocked them off last year, they would still have to go through Boise State for that conference championship game. Fresno State, as IU fans know, uh, they've lost their offensive coordinator. The Hoosiers hired Kalen DeBoer to come over. He did wonders with that offense, and we'll see what Jeff Tedford uh, and the Bulldogs could do. I think it comes down to them and San Diego State in the West, and it's uh, it's really going to come down to a head-to-head matchup at the end of the year at San Diego State. Fresno State also has to play. They have to travel to Hawaii. They got to travel uh, to San Diego or San Jose State as well, uh, and they open up against uh, USC. So I'm going to take San Diego State uh, to represent the West in the Mountain West. Yep, we're in lockstep there. Fresno State, in addition to losing Kalen DeBoer, uh, also lost a really good quarterback, their top two pass catchers, four offensive linemen starters, and, uh, you know, a few um, very good defenders as well. Their defense should be really good again, but I think the offense is going to take a big step back uh, without those pieces, including Kalen DeBoer. Uh, plus, as you mentioned, San Diego State uh, gets to host the uh, that game against the Bulldogs. So I'm going to go Boise State, San Diego State with the Broncos winning. Um, unfortunately for Boise State, I do not think that they will uh, be reaching a New Year's Six Bowl this season. Um, I, I think that they have to replace too much on offense to get to that level. Uh, but, you know, that season opener against Florida State should be very interesting to see where both of those programs are right now. Yeah, if they could get through Florida State and knock off them, although Florida State has lost a lot of luster, um, it, it's still yeah. a Power 5 win. It's still down going traveling to Florida, even though it's not at Florida State. They're playing in Jacksonville. So it's a de facto home game for Florida State. It's an impressive win. Um, the rest of their schedule is kind of underwhelming. Uh, they do host Marshall and Portland State. They get Air Force at home. They do have to travel to BYU, uh, which is always tough. Yep. And then in the season, um, their last five games, three of them are on the road, including the final two. Uh, so it, it's if they go undefeated, their strength of schedule is going to be held against them I, in terms of going and representing the group of uh, five. I think a lot of teams in the AAC have a better claim to that. They have a, a more difficult schedule, and you have to think that even if Cincinnati goes eleven or twelve and one, uh, or UCF goes eleven or twelve and one. Uh, that they'll be the representative uh, from the from the group of five in the New York Six Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. then when they they beat the Power Five team in the New York Six Bowl, 
get ready for those excuses of oh it was just the it was just the whatever fiesta bowl it was just this bowl or that bowl uh so we'll get ready for that mountain west is always fun there's always some good snow games in there as well uh that could be uh that are fun to watch boise state uh fresno state was in, in the snow last year for the championship um so you know tune into those games they're good games as well a lot of times in college football the best games are between the teams that are matched up evenly. And there's a lot of even matchups in these group of five uh, conferences. So moving on to conference USA, you have uh, the fighting Lane Kiffins, uh, Florida Atlantic. They're waiting. You got waiting for them to take off. Uh, Florida international has, has been better than expected sooner than expected under Butch Davis. Uh, You also have Marshall, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, Charlotte, Western Kentucky has kind of fallen off since Jeff Brom has been there. And then in the West, Southern Miss, UAB, who's been revived. That program was dead and buried. Uh, They brought it back and have been very good. It's probably time for them to take a step back talent-wise, reload recruiting, and then go forward again. But it shouldn't be that big of a step back. North Texas as well. Uh, Louisiana Tech. Uh, Phil Steele can't make a decision on this. He's got four teams tied for first place in the West. So it's, uh, you know, take your pick. It's very evenly matched up. And then you have the three Texas schools, UTSA, UTEP, and Rice. UTEP and Rice are perennially the some of the worst teams in the country. Um, so, Conference USA, what's your take on Conference USA, TJ? Well, I, I think Florida International, for me, we've seen that program uh, amassing some talent. And to be honest, I'm glad they're off of IU's schedule because I think Butch Davis is going to have that thing humming uh, pretty soon. Not that Indiana would, uh, you know, lose to FIU. Uh, I, I wouldn't pick that. But um, I'm glad we don't go back to Florida for another road game there. Um, I, I think that the, the Golden Panthers are going to be uh, pretty tough to deal with. I'm picking them out of the East. Uh, my one issue that I have with them is that I have seen their quarterback play, and I've not been too impressed by it. I think they have a lot of really good athletes, uh, and I think that Butch Davis is developing that thing, but I, I don't love James Morgan at quarterback. Um, but still, I'm going to go with him uh, in FIU to get that done in the East. The West, uh, I tend, when there's teams that are so clustered like this and it's hard to distinguish them, I just kind of go with who's the real difference maker. And I think Mason Fine at North Texas is that guy. Uh, so I'll go with North Texas. They do have to go to Louisiana Tech, which is – uh, certainly in, in Louisiana Tech's favor. If you wanted to go with them, that would be a good reason to do so. They also go to Southern Miss, uh, who is probably you know potentially the third-best team in that division. Uh, but like I said, Mason Fine um, plus Seth Luttrell, you know, good offensive mind, staying at North Texas to finish up Mason Fine's career. Uh, so I'll go with uh, North Texas in the mean green to get that done and then um, – why not? We'll take North Texas to win the Conference USA title. But honestly, no one in this league really distinguishes themselves to me at all. Yeah, and that seems what the other analysis is saying. If you pick four teams uh, to tie for first yeah. place, that means they're beating up on each other. It's very even. That's not necessarily a bad thing uh, when it comes to entertainment value. But if Conference USA wants to put a team in the discussion uh, for a group, uh, for a New Year's Six Bowl, it, it hurts you. You can't have teams beat up on each other. You no need shot. to have one really, really good team uh, and, you know, a couple okay teams. I will take – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll the dice and take Florida Atlantic in the, uh, in the East. It's time Lane K- Kiffin puts up or shuts up. It's coming off a of five and seven season. Uh, he was 11 and three in 2017. He's got DeAndre Francois coming in from Florida State. If he could keep his head together, um, he's an excellent player. Uh, you got to, uh, you, you've got a senior-laden offense. You have a senior-laden defense. 
if it's now or never for for Lane Kiffin at, at FAU. Now he might be there forever, but if if he wins big this year, he probably moves on. If he goes five and seven again, his seat is probably uh, you know on fire, or you just lose interest in FAU and it loses its luster. You know, there's there's only so much Lane Kiffin um, you could take if he's not winning, and that goes for any coach. So I'm going to take FAU out of the out of the East. They do open up their first two. They have a chance to to make a splash in their first two games. They head up to Ohio State, take on Ohio State. I think last year they played at Oklahoma and got smacked. That was a game that uh, people had their eye on as an upset. I think they learned their lesson there. Maybe they come out and and be a little bit more competitive at Ohio State. And then they host UCF. Um, You you could very well go 0-2. If you split that, you have one really good win uh, between the two of them and and one tough loss. Uh, Those are both good teams you don't really want to lose to, uh, but there's no shame in losing to them either. Um, Then out of the West, you know, it's any you know, pick one out of the hat. Uh I, I I think UAB takes a step back. I really do. They've done a uh, a great job rebuilding that program, but it's it's uh you know, some roster turnover. The guys who are there building have graduated. Um North Texas, I I am with the T J. I think they have uh you know, the best returning talent and you know, we'll see what they what they could do. Uh, what they could do there and and take advantage of it. And, you know, Seth Luttrell stayed. We'll see how long he stays after this. He's taking a big risk staying at North Texas. So yeah, he's had nine wins each of the last two years. His stock could be at its highest ever after last year. Uh, he could have gone anywhere he wanted probably, but to stay at North Texas is a risk. If he goes, takes a step back, doesn't get to a bowl game, uh, he might not get that next level chance that he might deserve after the last two years. Uh, their schedule is is pretty manageable. Uh, they do have to go face California and Berkeley. That's another chance for Conference USA to get a win. That's another chance for the Pac-12 uh, to, you know, get pied in the face by a group of five teams. Um, maybe that's uh, that's a candidate for one of those 9 a.m. games, uh, which I think is a ridiculous idea. Um, but their their schedule they they end at home against UAB. They they miss some big guys in uh, you know they don't play Florida Atlantic. They don't play FIU. Uh, they miss some of the heavy hitters out of the out of the East. So I'll take them coming out of the West, and I, I'm I'm going to put my money on the Lane Train. Um, uh, winning conference USA, uh, it's a gamble, I know, but um, you know, if if, if I'm going to pick conference USA, I'm going to pick Lane Kiffin because it's going to be entertaining as hell uh, to watch that team if they're winning. All right, let's go to the MAC. The MAC is yep. right in the Big Ten's footprint. It could be, you know, Big Ten Junior. The MAC has, has I, I forgot the exact number, but it seems like the last five or six years they have always beaten the Big Ten team. Somebody comes up and gets somebody. Last year is Akron and Northwestern. A couple of years ago is Bowling Green uh, against IU. Ball State against IU a couple of times. Uh, you've seen Purdue get uh, beat by Eastern Michigan. You've seen Rutgers get beat by Eastern Michigan. Uh, there's always somebody in the MAC who will come up and. and and uh, bite somebody in the butt in the Big Ten. So out of the MAC, I think it's finally the year in the East that that Ohio gets gets um, uh, you know Frank Solich uh, his win. They've been solid. They've been the most consistent program. He's been there for 15 years. That is a long time at a MAC school. He has built that program up. Um, he is really really a good coach he is over uh he has 106 wins at ohio i think this is a team uh with senior nathan rourke coming back quarterback a team with the chip on his shoulder they know what they have to do they get um 
If they get some of their big games at home, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, uh, they get those games at home. They do have to travel to Buffalo and then end the season on a two-game road road trip. And a lot of matching games. You'll see Ohio on matching a lot on Wednesday. The end of the season, the last four games are Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night. Uh, and they end the season on the road at Bowling Green, at Akron, staying in that Rust Belt uh, of Ohio. So I, I'm going to take I'm going to take Ohio out of the East, and I think I'm going to go Toledo out of the West. It's going to be an all Ohio, um, an all Ohio. MAC championship game. There are some good teams in the MAC as well, uh, and with Western Michigan, Northern Illinois, there's a lot of turnover in the MAC uh, too. Um, I think Buffalo takes a step back in the East, uh, and, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what Akron does. We'll see what some of these teams do. If they're more evenly matched than I expect, I I don't think the MAC has a shot at a, at a uh, New Year's Six Bowl e- uh, either. Uh, they do have some chances at some upsets. Ohio does travel to Pittsburgh. Uh, that's a game that they could win. Uh, Miami plays at at Iowa. That's a game that we've seen Miami be competitive at. Buffalo uh, plays at Penn State. If this game was last year, uh, Buffalo knocked off Rutgers last year. looked pretty impressive. They, they had a 10-win year. If this game was last year, I'd give Buffalo a shot. Uh, but there are there are chances. Kent State opens the state uh, opens the year at um, at Arizona State. They have some games where they can knock off some people, and the MAC always usually gets one or two of those every single year. Uh, so those are my picks in the MAC. How about you, TJ? Yeah, I'm going to go with Ohio as well. I think Nathan Rourke uh, is the best player in this league, um, particularly on the off. off- offensive side of the ball. Uh, so I like Nathan Rourke, and it would be a really cool story for Frank Solis to get a conference crown, um, you know, after being there for, like you said, 15 years. This is his 21st season as a head coach. So um, really cool story there. Uh, I think Buffalo lost too much uh, to contend. But uh, the East, certainly the weaker of the two divisions. Uh, the West, much stronger. Uh, I will go with Toledo. One, I think they did, do have the most overall talent, but their schedule really favors them. They get the host Western Michigan, who I think is uh, probably the second-best team in the division. And then they host Northern Illinois, who, despite going through a coaching change, one that I don't think they were too worried about. I think a lot of people felt like it was time. Uh, as Rod Carey headed to Temple. I think that kind of benefits both sides, to be honest. We'll see if their new coach can – uh, kind of built things where Kerry left them. Uh, but, you know, new system plus not a favorable schedule, uh, I will give it to Toledo. And then of those two, you've got Toledo, which is, uh, you know, fairly inexperienced uh, in terms of starters, but they've got a lot of guys that have seen snaps um, and they, they've recruited better than everybody else in this league for the past few years. So uh, I, I would give the edge to Toledo based on overall talent. Um, but I would love to see Frank Solich get a conference crown. Yeah, it just seems that Ohio always comes down the stretch and loses that one game uh, that costs them yeah. either the conference title game or the division title in like a three-way tie, but they lose to the wrong team. Uh, so it's time Frank Solich gets his. All right, moving to the Sun Belt Conference. We're getting real down far in here. Um We've got two five-team divisions, East and West. I think Appalachian State is the team to beat in the East. Uh, Scott, uh, even though uh, Scott Satterfield is gone uh, and headed to Kentucky, they've really built Appalachian State up. I think it's sustainable. They're out in Boone, North Carolina. They recruit the area really well. They have a great um, read of the pulse uh, there. So I'm going to take Appalachian State out of the East. And um, – you know, Arkansas State is quietly becoming Arkansas State again. That was a team about five, ten years ago uh, was one of these mid-major teams that would come come up, put some scares into SEC teams, beat some uh, lower-tier SEC teams, and, and really play well. So I'm going to take Arkansas State out of their division, and I'm gonna, but I'm going to take Appalachian State 
to, to win the conference. And, and Appalachian State is a team that nobody should want to face. Uh, they do have some chances at upsets. They do go to North Carolina, um, and they uh, they also play South Carolina late in the year. They have a chance to to make some noise on a national level as well. Although North Carolina is rebuilding, and really South Carolina, they're a good solid team, but they're not the first team you think of uh, in that SEC East. But those would be two big wins um, out of there. They return a lot of talent. They return. Um, you know, three backs who combined for over 2,000 yards rushing, a uh, uh, a really efficient passer in Zach Thomas who threw for 2,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. It, it's this offense is really going to be good, and hopefully, uh, Appalachian State can keep it going off, uh, going on after Satterfield left, and um, Elijah uh, Drinkwitz uh, takes over as well. So. Uh, I'm taking Appalachian State to to win the Sun Belt. How about you, TJ? Yeah, Appalachian State's clearly the class of the league, in my opinion. Now, what's interesting, uh, the three best teams in this league are almost, without dispute, in the same division. Uh, It's Troy, a very good program, uh, with Chip Lindsey as their first-year head coach. He is um, succeeding for Neil Brown, who moved on to West Virginia, uh, Chip Lindsey, right offensive line. They're hoping that he can, um, you know, build Troy up to meet Appalachian State. Um, I mean, I think that the third best team is surprisingly Georgia Southern. If you remember, uh, IU played them a few years ago and just stomped a mud hole in them. They were awful. Um, their, the head coach at that time was fired, uh, and Chad Lunsford was brought in. Now, um, Last year, he turns Georgia Southern into a team that, you know, wins 10 games, which is um, uh, remarkable given what we saw from them uh, just a short time ago. I believe that game was in 2017 uh, that IU played them and and really embarrassed them. Uh, They had nothing going uh, for a pretty proud program with a good tradition. and so they're, they've got things going, and they're, but they're probably third in their division because it's a really good division. If they were in the other one, uh, I think they'd probably be the favorite to win uh, their division. But uh, on the other side, I'm going to go with uh, Louisiana. Um, I do like Arkansas State's logo, uh, the Red Wolves. I think they've got a really cool aesthetic, but um, I will go with uh, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, which is a great nickname. I think the Sun Belt's a cool conference. It's got a, a lot of schools in close proximity, uh, a lot of fan bases that are really passionate about their schools. Uh, they get good support there. Um, I'll go with Louisiana. Don't really have a great reason for it um, other than that they won the division last year, and Billy Napier is recruiting at a higher level uh, than almost everyone else in the conference. Really, App State's the only one that's close uh, at this time. So I think the, he's raising the recruiting, uh, the talent level at Louisiana. Um, and for me, that's just going to win out, uh, and have them repeat as division champs. And then, uh, App state takes the conference crown in the title game. But, uh, I think that's a fun league. Um, you know, they've got a lot of athletes that can give teams some problems when they get to face off against them. Yeah, Arkansas State, and you know all these Sun Belt teams are usually some of the better bowl games, or when these schools, the Sun Belt and, and Conference USA, play against each other and put up a ton of points, and play close games and like quadruple overtime games and stuff like that. Let's move to Independence. We're going to talk about IU fans' second favorite team, maybe first favorite team. Um, yes, I am taking a shot at you, reversible jacket fans. So be sure, if you're an IU basketball fan, Notre Dame football fan, please tune into our podcast because we are previewing Notre Dame football. Um, So, reversible jacket fans, Notre Dame, they made the college football playoff last year. You guys are back, top five. Let's talk about national title hopes. All right, let's slow the roll. Um, I think Notre Dame's going to be very good this year. They bring back uh, Ian Book. He really sparked that team uh, as well. That defense, they do have to replace, uh, you know, three uh, three of their top five tacklers. They have to replace Julian Love, uh, but they get a lot back. Uh, They bring back three 
Ian Book was their, their third best rusher. They bring back him and two running backs who finished above him. Uh, Book finished 26,000 yards, 19 touchdowns, only seven picks. I, I think this is the year. Um, you know, Notre Dame has a right to be in that college football um, playoff uh, discussion. Now they're they're going to have to win games. Their schedule is laid out. This is the way uh, they'll they'll play five ACC teams. But this is the way Notre Dame schedules. This is the reason why Notre Dame schedules the way it does. They want a national fan base. Um, they want they want to hit the East Coast. They want to hit the West Coast. They want to hit the South, and of course the Chicago land area, um, and get and have that national fan base recruit on a national level as well, which kind of kept them back. You saw Clemson run over them in the uh, in the cotton in the Cotton Bowl last year. And you also had uh, – you saw what they did in the national title game against Alabama. They might not have the athletes that some of these ACC and SEC teams have. They probably need to tweak recruiting a little bit more, go hit some of these spaces and, and get these athletes. But you look at their schedule, they they play uh, Louisville on, on Labor Day, that Monday night national TV game. Everybody's going to be tuned in. Uh, you get uh, in week three after an open week. You have New Mexico. Then, then the schedule starts start building up. You got to go to Georgia. That's going to get be a game with with uh, college football playoff implications. Georgia can't really afford to lose a game in the non conference. Uh, going down there, it's going to be a great game, um, a great atmosphere. They're fired up. I know Notre Dame is going to travel well. Georgia traveled well up to Notre Dame a couple years ago. Uh, and it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a heavyweight September battle. Uh, Notre Dame then comes home and plays Virginia. Virginia is a tough ACC squad. Uh, then you get Bowling Green before USC comes in. Uh, that's a rivalry game. That's a game Notre Dame has to win. You cannot lose to USC uh, and want to go to the playoff. You have a second open week, October 19th. Then you play. I think it's the nation's oldest rivalry at Michigan. Uh, this is a game that I wish was played every year. Uh, Notre Dame, Michigan, it's a, it's a national rivalry. It means a lot to a lot of people, especially in the Midwest. Uh, it just screams college football. Uh, after that, you host Virginia Tech. You play at Duke. Navy is another traditional rival. Boston College and at Stanford. There are some marquee wins on there if they could get them. If you beat if Notre Dame beats Georgia but loses one other game, I think they're pretty safe in the college football playoff. They probably need to go undefeated, uh, but it's going to depend on, on the rest of the country what happens uh, to see how many losses Notre Dame uh, will get to uh, – will have, you know, could endure and still be in the college football playoff discussion. Uh, they're at a disadvantage since they're not in the conference. They don't get that last last data point. They don't get a conference title game. Uh, that's on them. If they want to join a conference, play in a conference championship game, that's on them. I don't think Notre Dame deserves to play a 13th game uh, just because at the end of the year, if they're talking about the college football playoff, Notre Dame's an independent. They know the risks um, and the risk about it. This is why they have their TV contract with NBC. It's why they, they got into this five game uh, games a year with the ACC. Um, if you want a harder schedule, don't schedule New Mexico and Bowling Green. If you want to schedule somebody else, some other Power 5 teams, go ahead. If that's how you get your, your strength schedule up, you might have to bite a bullet and take another loss. But Notre Dame, I, th- I think it'll be pretty solid this year. Uh, they're fun to watch. It's As much as I make fun of the reversible jacket fans, I so badly want there to be a college football culture in the state of Indiana that it, it's – I think one of the ways to grow that is to have Notre Dame be good. Uh, and it, it's tradition. It's, again, like Indiana basketball, Notre Dame football. I wish people would root for their own schools uh, and things like that. If you're a Notre Dame football fan, that's fine. If you're an Indiana grad and root for Notre Dame, okay, but support your team too, uh, just like Notre Dame basketball. If you're a Notre Dame fan and you root for Notre Dame football, support your basketball team. Your basketball team's pretty darn good. Um, don't flip-flop. You could root for IU too, uh, but 
support your programs. Uh, and that that's my, my soapbox. I'll get off of my soapbox, TJ, let you talk about Notre Dame for a little bit. Oh, gross. That was, that was far too much talk about Notre Dame for my liking, to be honest. Um, I will give them credit. I think their program's in a really good place. Um, Brian Kelly has built that to where they are at reload level, um, not rebuild level, I think. I don't think you're going to see the drop-off like they had after their last college football playoff first, where they went 4-8. and eight. Um, Offensive line returns four starters and is always really good for them. Uh, I think they feel really good about Jafar Armstrong, their new running back, uh, new starting running back, I should say. Chase Claypool is a good receiver for them. Um, Ian Book, of course, returns at quarterback. Uh, I think the defense takes a step back, and I see Notre Dame finishing at 10-2, and uh, which I do not think puts them in the college football playoff discussion. However, it does get them to your sixth bowl. Uh, the independent with the best record will not be Notre Dame. It's going to be Army. I like Army to go 11-1. No. Uh, the only game I see them losing is week two at Michigan. You look at the rest of that schedule. Uh, if you're going to go 11-1, you just take it the whole way. Take it the whole way. Well, I, yeah, I would absolutely love to see a 12-0 Army with a win over Michigan uh, and get them in that New Year's Six Bowl. I don't see them beating the Wolverines, but I'm going to be rooting like crazy for the Black Knights to go in there uh, to Michigan Stadium and, and beat Jim Harbaugh. That would be fantastic. It would it would make a lot of the rest of the season uh, largely irrelevant because it would hard, be hard to top that one. Um, but, uh, I mean, the rest of that schedule, there's just not much there. Like, I, I, I don't see Army really being challenged too often the rest of the way. Um, really, really favorable schedule for them. They do have the nation's second longest winning streak, and I think this is going to be the final season for Jeff Munkin at Army. I see him going somewhere else. Uh, and actually, what I'm a little bit scared of is Jeff Munkin might be the next Rutgers head coach, and that terrifies me. Uh, can I sell you on Army beating Michigan? Oh, absolutely. I would. I mean, trust me, I'll I'll be there for it. Army runs the triple option. They run it really well. Yep. Michigan's got a young defense. It's the second sure. game of the year. Let's go play. Army took Oklahoma to overtime last year. Oklahoma, yep. Michigan's defense is head and shoulders better than Oklahoma. Um, but Army's not going to back down from anyone. They're not going to back down from anyone in college football. They have bigger, more important things on their minds than, than being afraid of Michigan. Um, it's a great thing that Army football is good again. Uh, it stunk when they yeah, stunk. That's cool. uh, West Point is such a traditional place. Uh, going back to Army-Navy, it makes that Army and Navy game so much better. Hopefully Navy can rebound a little bit, and that game is competitive uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, but Army's really, really interesting. Uh, you, you know, Kelvin Hopkins uh, is a great running back. You have he, – he also threw um, – he threw for 1,000 yards. You don't think yeah, about that at, at Army. You don't. You don't think. You know. You don't, I think a couple of years ago they threw twenty passes all year. You don't think of these triple option teams throwing the ball. Uh, Hopkins, they they threw it less than a hundred times, and he threw for over a thousand yards. Uh, so think about that. You know, think about how many times Peyton Ramsey threw the ball, and how many yards he oh, threw boy. for. This guy threw oh it 93 times, 93 times, threw for 1,026 yards. That's really efficient. I think Army has a shot at Michigan. I think Army, outside oh, yeah. of that game, I, I, I really think that, that they could go undefeated. Now, you're playing that last game in December against Navy. It's anybody's game. That is a true rivalry game. Anything could happen. It, sometimes it's snowy, it's rainy. That game's a must-watch game any year. It's usually the only game on TV, uh, you know, December 14th. Uh, people are winding down from conference championship games. Uh, you know, kids are just getting off of school right around then. 
uh, for winter break. That is a fun game. I'm all in on Army, and I won't be shocked if they go into Michigan and and beat them. Army's not going to back down from anybody. I think that young defense is a little bit susceptible, special, especially to a very disciplined, efficient Army offense. Uh, now, the Army defense has to come and show up and play uh, as well. If they don't show up, they're not going to outscore Michigan. They're, they're just, Army's not going to win this game uh, 55-52. Army's going to have to grind out um, grind out uh, possessions, make it, uh, you know, maybe get two possessions a quarter, make it an eight-possession game, and be efficient with those possessions. We saw it when Navy came to IU in 2013. You go down, you take eight minutes, you put points on the board, preferably touchdowns. If you could do that, it makes Michigan's offense have to be perfect. Uh, and if they're not perfect, their second game of the year, new offensive coordinator, uh, and things like that, they're going to get beat. Uh, so I'm high on the Army. The next independent is BYU. Uh, BYU is another fun team to talk about. Uh, open up with the Holy War against Utah. It's one of the better underrated uh, rivalries, I think, in college football. These two fan bases actually hate each other. Um, the, you, you throw religion into anything, and it's like throwing a gas can on a fire. Um, religion plays a big part in the uh, BYU-Utah rivalry. Uh, this year's game is on that opening Thursday night. It is at Utah, and then after that, they have to travel to Tennessee. They get USC, Washington, at Toledo, at USF. There are a lot of games where you, uh, that BYU can make a name for themselves. They went up last year and beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin does not lose at home in the non-conference. It seems like it forever. Uh, so BYU's, BYU is always an interesting team. They also have all these older guys because they go in and do their missions and then come back. Uh, so, you know, Zach Wilson's a sophomore. He's coming back. He has 1,500 yards to his name. BYU is an interesting team. Uh, they're not going to be in play for a, a, um, a New York Six Bowl, but they should be a bowl team. No. They should be fun to watch. Uh, and, and there's some matchups that, you know, I'll tune into. I, I want to see BYU beat USC. Um, that game's at BYU. I want to see uh, BYU take on Washington. They'll have some say in the Pac-12. Uh, they play three Pac-12 teams. Two of them are the favorites uh, in Washington and Utah. So BYU could very well, even though they're an independent, knock the Pac-12 out of the college football playoff discussion. Uh, what's your take on BYU? Uh, they've got a fun quarterback. Um, certainly comparisons to Johnny Manziel in terms of running ability and style uh, are made. He's not that level of player, but um, just you know, you can you can catch glimpses of Johnny Manziel if you watch him play. Um, really difficult schedule. Uh, I do think the program has rebounded a little bit from where they were at two years ago in terms of talent level. Uh, but still, I, I don't view BYU as being anything better than, I think, the ceiling there is 7-5. and five. Um, I think that would be quite an accomplishment if they got that with this schedule. Uh, I will say that opening game, uh, give me Utah all day in that one. I think that uh, Utah is going to uh, handle them. I don't think it will be a blowout because of the rivalry factor, but I think Utah wins that game somewhat comfortably, uh, as we discussed, very high on the Utes. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm not saying that they'll they'll beat Utah, but they have a chance to, to make some uh, make some waves. And oh, sure. That game, it's a, yeah. yeah, and with any rivalry game, especially at the beginning of the season, you're still trying to feel teams out and, and things like that, so that that's yeah. the, that's a game early in the season I'm definitely tuning into um, or at least DVRing and watching the next day since uh, school will be in session. Uh, next up, we'll talk a little bit about the next uh, – I think we're done with the independence. you got Liberty with Hugh Freeze. Yeah, I was going to say. We'll see how that situation say, let's goes. Let's not. Yeah. Um, New Mexico State, it was 3-9. and nine. And then you got UMass. Somehow UMass is still an independent. Um Get out. Why they're still in FCS, yeah. I don't know. It's Utah. It's, yeah. it's UMass. But anyway, TJ, that wraps up the game, uh, the group of five, the Game of Thrones. 
the group of five preview. We are on to the Big Ten West next week. We are getting so close to college football. Um, You you could taste it. We're 25 days away, uh, 24 tomorrow. Uh, Fall camp is underway. We'll have all our updates. Andrew Walker, one of our new uh, writers, will be down in Bloomington at as many practices as he can make uh, and giving us uh, full reports from there. So final thoughts on the group of five, TJ. Well, I think that it's uh, hurt a little bit by the overall kind of lack of standout teams uh, in a couple of these conferences, but there's a lot of good teams out there, a lot of good football played. Um, And the cool thing is that, you know, I know it has its detractors, but you can catch these schools, a lot of the better conference games, typically during the weeks to get them some exposure so we get to see them. If you're interested, you know, on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights, Thursdays or Fridays, a lot of times you can see some of these headline games in these conferences uh, and get a chance to watch some really entertaining uh, entertaining action. So um, I'm thankful for that. It's another cool part of college football. Are any of them going to impact the national title race? No, but that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Yeah, my final thoughts on the group of five are exactly the same. These are the games uh, you talk about at the water cooler on, on Friday morning. Hey, did you see that 52-50, you know, Toledo game in yeah. the fog, the action game, uh, things like that? I, I do think that they will have a say. Uh, some some team will have a say on the on the national title game, whether they beat somebody who has national title hopes or they go in, uh, undefeated and, and force their way to the table. If um, you know, if a team like FAU beats Ohio State. Uh, or a team like Cincinnati goes undefeated and beats Ohio mm-hmm. State and, and UCLA, they deserve a shot at, at at least being in the discussion. Now, it's a long shot, a very long shot, but I think there somebody somebody in these group of five teams is going to upset a power of five team that's going to wreck somebody's season. Uh, it happens every single year, uh, and it's fun to watch. These are the games when – uh, there's nothing on TV, and you're fighting for the remote. These are the entertaining games. Um, now, there might be 17 people in the stands, but that's because you're playing on a cold, rainy, wet night in northern Ohio. Uh, but these games are made for TV. And I, I think that I, I wish more fans would show up. Uh, and I, I always try to get to a matching game every year, but they don't. They haven't been at Ball State for a while. Um these are, these are the fun games uh, to watch to me. Uh, they're usually even-matched teams. Games come down to the wire, a lot of offense. And if you're like an NFL fan or a fantasy football NFL draft guy, there is always some fun players to watch in, in, the, uh, in the group of five. And then, uh, of course, you have Notre Dame as well, and, and some of these independent games are great with, with Army and, and things like that. So, TJ, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. Sorry we moved things back a day. I am really swamped at school. Uh, they just keep piling stuff on our plates and expect us to to get it all done while taking our preps away. Uh, but that's either here nor there. I'm ready for college football. I'm ready to start breaking down uh, the Big Ten. So, thanks for joining me. We'll talk Big Ten West next week. All right, that does it for our Group of Five and Independent uh, football team preview. Next week, we're moving to the Big Ten West. Please come back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football content. Uh, We'll reach out to stuff on a national level as well as you've seen over the last couple weeks. We are in Big Ten mode. From here on out, we're talking Big Ten. We're talking IU and things like that. So follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore Huddle. Uh, feel free to join our emailing list on Squarespace. A little pop-up uh, will uh, come up on the site on Who's Your Huddle. We'll send out we'll send out uh, weekly emails recapping games, recapping recruiting, all that stuff in one place, so you don't have to go everywhere else. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week to talk to Big Ten West. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org.